Everything F1. Driven by fans, for the fans. And it's lights out and away we go! is still on provisional pole. This time for Stefan and Hamilton have crashed out. It's McLaren and Ricardo that win the Italian Grand Prix. Max Verstappen, for the first time ever, is champion of the world. Hello and welcome to the Everything F1 podcast with me, James Tiller. And alongside me from the Everything F1 team today, we do have Sean. Hiya, Sean. How are you? I am super excited to get to talk about something that I've been hinting at for about a month and a half now. So I'm really looking forward to this one. Yeah, well, I wonder what that could be. Uh, <laughs> Who knows? I'm, sh- I'm sure we will delve in- into that as we get into the podcast. Uh, we've also got Sophia with us today. Hi, Sophia. Come back for a second jur- second visit to the podcast. Yeah, absolutely loved it last week and can't wait to talk about everything that's been going on in the last week. Been absolutely mental. It has been. There's been a few things that have dropped, a few news articles that we definitely need to talk about. Uh, and of course, we've had the first day of testing today, so plenty to talk about. Uh, and we've also got a brand new person to the podcast today, uh, another newbie that we're introducing, and it's Barney. Hi, Barney. How are you? Hi, great. Thanks, and you? Um, yeah, it's also just super excited to get into the new season. Um, finally, we've been waiting from that last lap of Abu Dhabi to, to get into the flick of things again. So, yeah, super excited. Brilliant. Well, our, our fans haven't heard your voice yet uh, and don't know who you are. Can you give us a brief... Uh, a brief outline of who Barney is and what what, what your love of uh, F1 has done for you? Uh, yeah, so I've been in F1 a long time. Um, then, you know, cut off a little bit, stopped following, and then two years ago, I started just, you know, getting into, into watching it like quite deeply and following it quite, quite you know, religiously. Uh-huh. Like I said in my, in my bio, I am a F1 freak, so you won't catch me anywhere else from a Friday practice session up until a Sunday race afterwards. Anyway, anywhere else uh, is in front of my TV. So yeah, it's been... And I sense an accent as well. Uh, obviously, I know where you're from, but maybe if you can just give us a bit about yourself as an, as, as an outline of who you are, who Barney is. Just your regular regular paralegal day job. Um, or student slave by night, I'd say. <laughs> so yeah, I'm <laughs> studying for my, uh, my degree in, in becoming an attorney. So that's mm-hmm. my day job, uh, all the way from South Africa. So I'd be very excited if they, uh, they've been hinting at a, at a South African race at Kailami for 2023. So really, oh. really crossing fingers and holding thumbs that, uh, that that falls through. Well, they've been there, obviously, historically, and it's a great track. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. would love that. would love that, indeed. Yeah. Um, it's super. And, and I'm not going to attempt a South African accent because I'll probably offend you. Uh, <laughs> That's fine. You can always go for it. Go for it. No, <laughs> we don't want to start that. Start the relationship off like that. All right. Well, thank you very much for coming along and chatting to us and, and obviously being part of the team. 
Uh, we are obviously the Everything F1 team. You can find us on all social media platforms. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. We are also on our shiny website, www.everythingf1.com. Put that into your favorites. Visit it daily because we're adding articles all the time from all of our writers, uh, and it's going to be the place to be for F1 fans. We are also obviously on this podcast itself, and we deliver you a new episode every single week. So all you need to do is press the subscribe button on your favorite podcast streaming service and get our latest episodes in your earlobes as soon as they drop. Let's talk about the last few liveries that we haven't spoken about uh, that obviously we that have dropped since the last episode. So let's talk about the the first one that dropped after the recording of the podcast, and that was the Ferrari, uh, the Ferrari livery, and of course that very strange, strangely designed car. Um, we'll go to you, Sean, first. What were your initial thoughts when you first saw that? Very strange, very unique uh, 2022 F1 car from Ferrari. I, I might have fallen in love a little bit. <laughs> um, I, 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 I'm already lost for words just even thinking about that car. That is the nicest Ferrari in 20 years. Yeah. And I include their road cars in that. It, 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 it looks in my mind like all the fan renders of what this generation of cars would look like. Does that make sense? It's yeah. not the swoopy nose. It looks lithe. It looks skinny. It looks slim. It looks fast when it stood still. Um, now, I'd preface this with saying, I think all the cars, with the exception of the Haas and... Okay, no, eight of the cars look really good. I think Haas just don't have a livery. There's just some white with the Russian flag. And the Red Bull has been the same <laughs> since 2014. So, like, their package design is awesome. I'm sure we'll touch on that, but the livery is crap. Uh, but the other eight have really blown it out of the water this year and standing above them all, even as a McLaren fan, the McLaren looks angry and looks mean, and I love it, but the Ferrari just looks beautiful. Really, really I love the darker red. Myself and my girlfriend, who's a big Ferrari fan, have been sitting here for the last three months going, are they going to make a burgundy? Are they going to make a burgundy? They have to make... They have to. <laughs> The, the little bit of burgundy on the tail last year was so just such a cop out. Just make it a burgundy, and they did the next best thing of they make it just a darker red. It looks like the '90s Ferraris, yeah. uh, like '94, '95. It's low, it's wide. The side pods are wide, and then obviously the what do they call it? I think Scarbs called it the valleys. Yeah, it's the top of the floor, really, isn't it? I guess. It's, yeah, it's it's, it's, it's in layman's terms. It's a really interesting take on just the car. It reminds me of the MP426 McLaren with the, the U-ducts. Um, but just sticking on the, the delivery, I, I think it's beautiful. I think they've knocked it out of the park. And if we're giving a championship for the best-looking car, and I'm going to say this, assuming that the Alfa Romeo is just going to be red and white again, the Ferrari is, is winning. I cannot see Alfa making a better-looking car than that Ferrari. <laughs> no, no. I It, it, it is a good-looking car. I, well, I wouldn't put it as my top because I... Do still like that McLaren a little bit more, um, but that's just because my I'm totally biased, I guess. Um, mm. But they did come up with some innovations. Um, they've got obviously those, uh, and people have been calling them bird baths on the side pods. They look like they're going to gather water, which I don't. They, they they're not obviously because they're going to be travelling 150 mile an hour and plus, so there's nothing's going to settle in those. But they they're a very strange design, aren't they, Sophia? 
Yeah, definitely compared to like the rest, that was like kind of the big discussion when Ferrari released it was how different the sides mm. are compared to the other liveries. Um, I mean, it kind of looks a little bit similar to Aston Martin a bit as well, but not obviously exact, but it follows a similar path compared to what we've seen for Red Bull and mm-hmm. Mercedes. But to be fair, I like the red. I like the black design, sleek looking. But again, nothing can beat the McLaren. Sorry. <laughs> That's my favorite <laughs> so far. I don't think Alpha's going to change it either, though. No, I think that would just be a variation of what they've previously had over the last few years, really. Um, although they could keep the camo. I quite like that. that that'd be a I unique love it. Release. Yeah. But that, we know that will disappear within a few, few days, uh, definitely. Um, and we'll go to you, Barney. What, what were your thoughts on the Ferrari uh, livery when it, when it first dropped? You definitely, um, like Sean mentioned, it looks so mean. Um, I think they've they've gotten everything right on it, um, color-wise, design-wise. You know, the side parts and everything. And like you said, now with the cooling slats, um, the bird bath. We'll we'll see in due time if that was good or bad. But I think they've really, like Sean said, hit it out the park. And apart from him, I'm going to differ a bit from him being a Mercedes fan and not a McLaren fan. Um, I really do think that if they have gotten it right this year, they are going to give us some stiff competition and which is obviously what we want. Um, otherwise, okay. as well, I hated the green they had on the back of that car last year. It was so ugly. Um, but I mean, they've taken they've taken so many steps in the right direction. I just think they've, they've got a really good car this year. Uh, another note I want to say, they've got a very thin kind of letterbox inlets for their side pods. It, it, all, mm. that, their side pods are completely different to everyone else's. That's what I, that's, that's what I kind of gathered from, every, from from looking at all those sorts of things. Uh, they've obviously got the bird bath sections, uh, and then they've got the wide, yeah. thick, the, the thick uh, side pods like Aston Martin. And then they've got the really thin, mm. I, I say letterbox style uh, inlets. So they, they've gone for a completely different um, concept to all the other cars. Uh, and what what I'm loving about this year is we were we were kind of told that these rules were going to be really constrictive. They were going to be, you know, cars were going to be very similar. We were worried about them being no room for any kind of uniqueness. And and actually, I don't think we've seen two cars the same, have we, Sean? No, definitely not. Um, I'd say I'm just trying to look at some of the, the comparison ones here. Um, the Ferrari and Mercedes have similar thin noses, but other than that, like I, I don't, I don't see two similarities. Everyone has come up with individual designs. Um, we saw Alpine with their interesting double logo, but the, regardless, regardless of their uh, livery, which I'm sure we'll touch on, I know I will. Their side pods are <laughs> unique as well. Um, the back of their side pods, they have kind of the wide side letterbox opening, a bit like Ferrari, except theirs don't swoop back as much. But the back end of the side mm. pod drops off like a water slide down into the into the back end of the car, uh, which is unique. And no, I haven't seen anyone else do that. Everyone else is quite smooth and kind of curves back in, whereas Alpine just drops straight off. I know I'm doing hand motions here. So if you're listening on the podcast, you won't be able to see that. Uh, but just have a look at the pictures and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, the Haas looks way different than the awful Hoover-looking render they gave off. Um, I, I don't know what they were thinking release of that render. It just looked terrible. I think what it also might be with the Ferrari with those sites and I think it, it might half suggest that um, and I think everyone mentioned this as well that the radiators, the radiators are half you know laid horizontally on the car and I think that's why they've got that half suit that you're referring to. Yeah for sure it's right. a really it's a really really interesting take um, on even just 
the internals of the car, which you can't really see it, they've clearly packaged the engine and the car and the radiators and the cooling systems in a very, very different way, which again, it was right, reminds me of that old McLaren from 2011 with the U-Ducks because they did a very similar thing to put the radiators very low down and it just gave them yeah. these tunnel, these valleys that directed air straight onto the diffusers. Really, really unique take. That McLaren was very quick. Red Bull was just a bit quicker. Yeah. Um, it's a really interesting design. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if we'd see uh, some others copying that midway through the season. Yeah, maybe. It depends. It depends how well it works, I guess. Um, well, let's let's move on to the next release, which was the Mercedes. Uh, Barney, let's go to you then. If you're a, a Mercedes fan, were you shaking with excitement when you oh, saw the reveal of, of the car? Listen, when that when those little dark lights came off and the, the light hit on that car and it came back on the silver again, I was ecstatic. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, I think. With the design of the car, apart from the livery looking super, um, the design of the car, they've got, I think they've got it right again as well. Um, I think Mercedes is just too much of a strong team to, you know, they've got the right engineers, they've got the right tools. And I don't think they're in that type of space where they are ready to just yet, you know, let, let go of the supremacy. Um, so I think that they've been starting working on this car like 2018 late, you know, start 2019. Um, but yeah, apart from that, obviously, livery was, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful car. It's, you know, it's, it's coming off nicely. It's been great on track. Um, and then obviously the, the very special thing for me is that they've got the little red arrow for Nicky Lauda on it again this year. So yeah, really yeah. looking forward to what they can do. Um, yeah, let's see. So yeah, it's a nice little token to have that little star on the livery uh, for yeah. Nicky Lauda, um, and I think that's something they'll they'll continue into the future. Um, but what I did notice is this year, obviously they have gone back to the silver livery, um, but it's a it's a lighter livery than a lighter silver than they've previously had. So it looks different. Mm-hmm. It's got definitely a, a brand new styling, um, and it's very 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 tightly packaged. One of the more, one of the more mm-hmm. tightly packaged cars out of the whole grid. I think only. Well, I think only McLaren and today's release of uh, the Red Bull are, are, are tighter. Um, so, Sophia, what, what what were your thoughts on the uh, the Mercedes release? Yeah, I mean, obviously we expected them to kind of be a bit different and pull out of the bag. That's how they have been. Winning mentality, mm-hmm. big thing. I like the silver. I like going back. Obviously, as you mentioned, it's a different shade of silver. And again, taking the iconic swoop um, with a nice little teal in it, similar to how Aston Martin's done that this season as well with the lime green lines. It, it's good. I, I I quite enjoy it. It's it's going to be interesting. I think overall, mid-season, there's going to be a lot of changes. And I think I mentioned that in last week's podcast because there is so many different rules and regulations. At the same time, there's also a lot of freedom and mm-hmm. things are going to change. So this season, it's going to be interesting. But I think overall, personally, next season is going to be a lot better with the car launches. And I've kind of called that out a little bit too early, I think. But <laughs> just because of how it's a new regulation, new rules, mm. we'll see how it goes. I, I, I can't wait to see how Mercedes goes up against the other teams as well and how the other teams go up against Mercedes as well. It's certainly exciting uh, looking at these cars. They they are all, I think, all very beautiful cars. Um, and they're all com- completely different to each other, sorry, and, uh, and 
certainly different to what I was I personally was expecting um, to see. Uh, after the Mercedes release, we had the Alpi release on Monday uh, for their 2022 Challenger, and surprise, surprise, it was pink. Hmm. Uh, Sean, <laughs> thank you. Let us know. Let <laughs> us know your thoughts on the pink livery of the Alpine. Um, I actually don't mind the color of the pink. I never really minded the the, the pink Panthers when it was uh, racing model. It was bright and different. Mm-hmm. I don't think now. Correct me if you're wrong. If you're a French listener, I can't see French fans warming too much to a pink French car. Um, that's just my opinion. I have a fair few French friends who used to live there, but the color of the car doesn't really matter as long as it's fast, is it? I don't know. They've gotten rid of the the silly bulging Megamind airbox that they had last year, um, mm. and have actually packaged the car properly this year. Um, <laughs> and like I like I said, done it in quite a unique way with those kind of slide AirPods. The color, though, I like the blue and pink. I think the blue and pink looks really good. Um, it's a it's a similar blue to last year, maybe a little bit brighter, uh, a little bit more metallic than last year's one. Um, yeah. And I don't think any of us are even the slightest bit surprised by the pink. This has been no. probably the worst, as, as bad a kept secret as George Russell going to Mercedes this year. Uh, mm-hmm. It was that Otmar Zafnauer had left Aston to go to Alpine. Alpine are screwed. Alpine are screwed. He's going to do nothing good for that team. He's going to drive Fernando Alonso out of that team faster and than faster than yeah, and Ocon. Um, you know, like, but what I what I can't wait to hear is who's he going to blame when these regulations don't suit this car. Well, he, the good thing he he can kind of he's got plausible deniability anyway. He he wasn't there when they were designing this car, so he can kind of go. You know, I, I I came into this sinking ship or whatever. But I don't <laughs> think it will be. I, I think it'll be. I think it looks nice. It looks good. And I think Otmar, I personally don't have the same dis distaste for Otmar that you do. Um, I think he's uh, you know obviously it's quite quite well respected down the grid. Um, I mean, so I, I, I you know I think I think he'll be fine. I will say right off right out the gate, it looked reliable today. Uh, Fernando Alonso pumped in 127 laps. Uh, which I think was the second highest for a single driver. Yeah, it was only behind Max Verstappen. Um, so that's the best part of two, two and a bit race distances. So it's reliable. That's a really good start because Renault for the past forever have not had reliable engines. <laughs> <laughs> Even when they were winning championships with Red Bull, their engines, their alternators would just go pop whenever the sun came up. Um, mm. So the fact that it pumped in 127 laps is a good sign. He wasn't rapid, but he wasn't six seconds off the pace like poor Robert Kubica. Um, so a, a good start. They've they've clearly just gone through their their motions today. It, it's day one of testing. Um, the blue and pink looks looks pretty good. I uh, I hope for Fernando Alonso's sake, this is a fast car. I think he's yeah. and we've talked about it before. And Coops and and uh, Tom have kind of touched on it in previous podcast episodes how this car will likely have been designed for Fernando Alonso to Esteban mm-hmm. Ocon's detriment. But this car, they, they'd have sold him on coming back for this car to literally be molded around him. And so he'll be fast in it, is my prediction. Yeah. Well, let's hope so. Mm. Um, it's worth noting that Alpine have also released uh, a second livery that they're going to run for the first two races of the season. Mm. Um, and the, 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 the second livery is basically just pink. It's bright pink and it's, it's, uh, it's, it's to 
I forget what they what they said it was in it in order to kind of promote change or whatever, and, and they've chosen to to do it to use it in Saudi Arabia and obviously Bahrain, then be Middle Eastern countries, I guess. There's a message uh, there, um, I guess. It's not, it's not to promote change, it's to promote their products a, in countries. Yeah, well, <laughs> the, the I'm being a bit, I'm being say, a bit cynical. Said, Come on. Yeah. yeah. You got the big castle oil company logo right dead <laughs> yeah. sent on the like it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't really make sense and, and if, uh, if, if anything that logo i'm just looking at the picture here stands out more on the pink version of the car than yeah. the blue version <laughs> um, that's what i'm like and it's I, on twice as well it's in the rear wing as well and it's dead center when i when i first saw the car i saw i didn't see the launch because i was working but i just saw the the split image of half blue, half pink, and I'm like, oh my god, it's 1997 again. There's a two-tone car. <laughs> and I wouldn't mind. I actually kind of like it like that. I kind of like them to run the half and half again. Was it was Williams who did that? Was, was it? No, was it the Earth car? Was it, was it that one that did the Earth? Was it the Earth car and then... The, no, the Earth, car, the Earth car was Honda. Oh, Honda, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, think it was, I think it was a weird Williams at some point. Uh, oh, there it is, yeah. Maybe. It was the blue, blue and white. Oh, it was the BAR. That's what it was. It was blue on one side and white on the other for like a betting mm. company and cigarettes uh, with a zip down the middle of it. Yeah. It'd be cool if they brought that back for uh, like a one, their, their Monaco one-off. <laughs> no, they were, they were ugly cars. They were ugly cars. Um, <laughs> I mean, this one is as well. It, yeah. <laughs> it's it looks like Pepto-Bismol pink. That was like my first kind of, I don't know if you all know about like that kind of company and such, but yeah, that we, color is iconic with it. And Baskin Robbins as well. That's I also saw the, the Baskin Robbins memes. That was funny. Yeah. i tell you Especially what though, adding to F1 bingo this year, how many times Crofty calls Alpine uh, Racing Point this year because it's the same <laughs> car. Yeah. It's going to be confusing for all of us really yeah. when we're watching it. Um. Well, we've that, that's all the liveries that we've had, uh, obviously, released. Um, we are waiting on the Alfa Romeo to release their livery, but we do think it's going to be uh, just uh, a, a slight change on, on what they've had previous years. Um, but their package itself is very difficult to spot because it's in this camo livery. But is, is there anything you noticed, uh, Barney, about, uh, about the Alfa car that you thought was interesting? From what I did see on the photos and the, the Twitter videos that the guys posted, there was nothing really that stood out for me. And obviously it makes it a bit harder on the photos with the camo livery. But to be fair, I don't think, I don't expect a massive, you know, boom surprise from Alpha um, with regards to their car. Um, mm. You know, they might turn up something to to give up a good midfield chase, but I don't, I don't see them putting on a wow factor to chase the top four teams. Um, going hand in hand with that as well you know you're looking at the troubles they already had today with the uh, reliability issues but just speaking out you can see he was disappointed as well um mm. so yeah they already it's like we said they're already on the back foot um and it's not an ideal way to start start a season test you know because they have to get all the data and all of that type of stuff but yeah short answer to that not really um i can't really see much of a muchness on their cause no, it, it does look that that's probably one of the ones that, that was very similar to the render that Haas kind of brought out. It, it was it just looks like the 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 show car that they that, from the shape that I can see yeah. you know, that you can make out from the camo. 
Um, it certainly doesn't look like there's any massive innovations that, that that they've introduced. It looks quite slim. I'm just looking at like a side image yeah, and that as well. how it is curved on like um it looks very similar to like how the red bull and a few others are it's not like aston martin it's not like ferrari with that big dip it looks quite like curved under but again the camo kind of the whole reason for the camo is to proportionize like not see the proportion of it but Mm. i think it's gonna be quite slimmer on like the slimmer side compared to the other car launches yeah that 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 side on view gives a almost like a cylindrical look to the side pods they're quite thin, they're right. quite high up, and there's a huge undercut yeah. underneath them. So that's quite interesting if it works, but the car doesn't work. Uh, I, I did predict that Alpha would be the ones to not watch because they won't be seen because they'll be at the back of the grid this year, and this is not a good start for them proving me wrong. Mm. Well, we can't talk too much on, on Alpha, as, as you say, because we haven't released their full livery yet. Um, sorry, Barney, you were going to say something? Uh, no, it's just like I said, you know, I can't, I can't predict them, you know, pushing for, for wins this season. Um, worst off, best case, it'll be a, a proper midfield fight. But, you know, I don't want to be that person to say that mm, I don't even think that'll happen. So let's see. I mean, they might surprise us, but you never know. You never know, indeed. You do never know. Okay, well, let's move away from liveries um, because obviously we have had the three. We talked about liveries all last week as well, um, and we're still yet to really see what Alpha's brought out. But as I say, don't expect too much too too exciting about that. And we'll move on to to news articles that have been dropped over the last week or so because there's been some quite interesting updates, um, and also just obviously keep you informed of any rules that that might have changed. Um, we've actually had the removal uh, of the Q2 tyre rule uh, for qualifying, which I personally don't see the point in. I, it was one thing that kind of made it a bit interesting with with uh, strategies. It kind of forced strategies for the race. Um, so I was I, I knew about it. This is some this is something that I did know about early on, um, but it's obviously officially come out in a few articles. So we we need to talk about it. Um, Sean, were you surprised to see that rule drop, uh, or did you uh, even when you knew about it? If you knew about it early or whatever, uh, I didn't know about it earlier. You said it came. It was mentioned before. I, I must have just missed that being mentioned. I don't remember anyone complaining loudly about this rule. Um, mm. I thought it was one thing that F1 have done for qualifying the past couple of years that made total sense. Obviously, that countdown timer qualifying was a bad idea, but this one was a really good one. Um, and like you said, it, it just threw up something different for strategy. And it also just kind of gave chances to the midfield teams. Like there was a there was a, a, a an almost strategic choice between do I push to qualify 10th or do I start 11th? Do I get the glory of being in Q3 and maybe I'll get 9th? Like for George Russell, mm. for example, like when he got into Q3, he usually fell immediately back down the grid because the two cars starting behind him would start on brand spanking new tires and he had to start on old ones. So yes, he got the glory of being in Q3, but then he was rubbished on old tires. But it also gave the chance to someone like Pierre Gasly. While everyone else was qualifying in Q2 on mediums to start the race on a better tire, he was coming along in Q2 on softs to guarantee his place in Q3 um, and then would have to start on those softs and would get a jump off them all at the start. Um, Sergio Perez as well did that from time to time as well he'd start on the softs and because he could make them last until forever he would do that and he'd have this the last lap the last lap (laughs) Um, and it just gave that all to the side I I don't see I don't think this necessarily overly benefits anyone but I think it disadvantages a lot of teams 
especially those mid. Mm. And we're expecting the midfield to be way more competitive this year. Yeah. Why take away that extra bit of strategy call and decision making and change between them all? Because if they're all going to be qualifying on softs or they're all going to qualify on mediums, there's no there's no benefit to wasting an extra set of softs now. Uh, because mm. you just get to start on them tomorrow regardless, on Sunday regardless. And we're mm. expecting the midfield and the, the front fight to be way closer. There's, it's, just, it's just taken away a huge potential element of that. Of Well, why would we bother starting on a different tyre? We're just going to get mauled by the 19 other... Like, why would anyone start on hards when they're going to be 20th by the end of lap one with everyone starting on softs? It just, yeah. uh, I don't like it. I, I don't think it needed to happen. I didn't hear any major calls calling for it oh this is such a stupid real change back i thought it was a clever idea and i think it's it might make no difference at all i just don't think but that again that in itself is kind of a point it probably won't make too much difference so why have they bothered to get rid of it yeah it was something to talk about sophia i looking at it at like a data and statistics perspective though it added more pressure though into the back end of the team a lot of us think of like the front end the driver team principles and all that but like a lot of people don't understand what goes on behind the scenes and with sometimes how the laps change how the tires wear within the lap it changes the data very quickly and then golf a bit of it rains your whole kind of data analysis and your predictions and your probability kind of goes through the like out the window Mm -hmm. so i kind of liked it to an extent it added more pressure on the back end than the front end right but and it made it interesting when like in the middle of qualifying it started raining so it's like who's gonna change what's gonna happen like are you gonna be like lando and stay out (laughs) on normal tires are you gonna change for the inters or the wets um it was just nothing that was really discussed. I think personally, they should have changed that tire during red flag rule mm. before they changed this. Yeah, I agree with that. Because no one's talked about this Q2 tire changing. It's always been when in regards to tire changing, red flag car, uh, tire changes. That should have been done first before this because no one talks about this. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Um, anything to add, Barney? Uh, no, just 100% on what Sophia said with regards to the red flag rule. I 150% support that. I mean, I think it's ridiculous that if there's a red flag, you know, by all means, I get to, you know, if there's a wind damage or something, fix that, but shouldn't be able mm. to change tires on a red flag. Um, on the other side of the coin, I'm completely with Sean as well. Again, I, I think it was a bad idea. Um, you know, there's no element of surprise left now with, you know, throwing in on a medium tire or soft tire for Q2 and starting a race with that if, say, you know, Lewis and Max are at it and he prefers to go on a medium for his Q2 stint to start the race on and Lewis opts for a soft, you know, it's just that little competitiveness down to turn one. Um, I don't think necessarily it'll be taken away completely. I think it'll still be there. But it's, it's like Sean said, you know, why why slap on soft tires for all 20 of the drivers and, you know, by anyone can just fit at the same time and it just takes out that little the overcut and the undercut um takes that out of equation you know almost completely so mm. not not a huge fan of the choice but i mean unfortunately we have to go with it i guess yeah it's, it's something that's obviously been introduced it's uh, something we get used to and there will be there will be uh 
you know, different strategy calls. Some people will think, well, hang on, we probably haven't got a, a, a quicker car off the start, so maybe we will put the the hard, slightly harder tyre on at the first stint and try and kind of undercut them at a later date in the race. So there will there will be differences, um, but if the, if the cars are quick off the line, they're all going to want to have the best tyre, the prime tyre um, for for their. What I what I would say for that is, start. those are the differences that existed anyway. The cars that yeah. aren't quick off the line, whether they're in the top 10, if they were going to get into the top 10 and knew they were quick off the line, they'd qualify on the softs in Q2. Mm-hmm. And if they were in the back in the back 10, they'd start on, on the softs. If they knew they were going to get a jump off the line and could run them long, or if, say, Perez started in, or who else is good in their tires? No, just Perez. Um, started a bit further down. Lewis is pretty good, but he's going to... Lewis is pretty good in tires, you, you, but he's always going to be front. You think he'd be pretty the front, yeah. yeah. yeah um, uh, but th- th- those those kind of strategy calls, like in the back midfield, will still be there. You'll still have, like, the Haases probably start on the mediums or the hards to just try and force their way in. Because uh, exactly as Bonnie said, it's a really, really good point that it takes away the overcut undercut. If the top 12 are all starting on softs, then they're all going to pitch at exactly the same time. And then you'll have mm. a Haas in fifth for about a lap before it's caught. And, ooh, there's a Haas in fifth, and Crofty will lose his absolute mind. And then it can be stopped <laughs> in, the, in the space of about four yeah. corners. It's like, oh, yeah, do you remember that time that a Haas was up in fifth? <laughs> like, oh. Anyway. One lap after struggle, three laps cut. Have to struggle three laps getting fossil because Nikita won't get out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's a strange decision, um, but something we'll just have to deal with as the season progresses. Another rule change that they've brought in that's actually pretty good, actually, um, is for there's got to be in free Friday pre practice ones, they're going to have each car has to have a rookie in at some point throughout the year. Um, so that's two, uh, each team gets basically two Friday free practice sessions. Um, and the person that, that they put in the seat has to be someone that's doing, who has done no more than two F1 races in their career. So this is going to be really good for those people that are trying to move up want to get a bit of experience maybe get some extra you know experience for their super license points um, and we all we're all in agreement that there needs to be this sort of experience for the ones that want to c- kind of crack into uh, to, to to f1 um you know the likes of piastri you know maybe even uh, although jamie chadwick hasn't got the, the license points yet but you know pe- people like this uh, that are kind of like a coiled spring ready to get into f1 and um, that's that's good news for them isn't it sophia yeah, definitely. Um, it gives people a chance. While a lot of teams have not announced their reserve drivers or their test drivers, for some of them, i.e. Williams, they've not announced if Roy Nassani is coming back. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Jamie Chadwick's with it, but again, as you mentioned, the super license points. It, it's going to be quite good. Having written about F2 in this upcoming season, a lot of them have progressed to other competitions or moved around within teams because they know they can't get as much opportunities up until F1 at the moment. So they're kind Mm. of moving around. Like it was literally a spider web writing who's gone to who, who's coming back for second season, but in a different team. Like I think the record I wrote was somebody's fifth overall F2 season or fourth uh, F2 season, Mm -hmm. a few back-to-backs. It's, there needs to be more opportunities. And I think this is a step up. It's not the best because there right. should be potentially more, mm-hmm. but it is a step up. The only issue I do have though, is if the weather's bad on one of those days in like free practice one, that could also lead to potential spins crashes because they're not used to 
being on in an F1 car for one and mm-hmm. having a whole new kind of wet road with again with the new regs as well they might not be as prepared and that was that's a bit of a worry but again they might not use the rookie drivers they might use somebody else but that's my only kind of like back thinking of this um, rule that's coming in Sean anything to add um, I think it's a good idea I actually don't think it goes far enough though um, yeah. if, like forcing the teams to do two sessions a, a, a year most of them do considerably more than that anyway now the the teams it will affect is Mercedes and Red Bull who have never put a young driver in their cars that I can remember mm. they, they don't want to risk their champions losing track time which is fair enough so yes good to see them forced to do it and who Mercedes, Mercedes could maybe draft in like Nick DeVries and Red Bull have all of the drivers um, who they could choose from <laughs> like it, re, re, I'm looking at like the, the, the F2 lineup Red Bull have so many young drivers. Jehan Deruvel has stepped up to champion winning Prima this year. So I reckon he's a shoe in for a, for a Formula One uh, practice session this year. And obviously, like you said, uh, Oscar Piastri, like to see him in, in F1 a bit more, get a few more forced opportunities. Uh, Theo Porsche, I think, deserves a run as well. You'd probably get one for, Al- for uh, Alpine. Uh, there, there's a good few in there. So uh, like that, that, that's a good thing. Um, it might also force the teams who don't have a young driver to draft one in. Yeah. And again, I look to Mercedes and Red Bull. Mercedes especially, they don't have a young driver. They, George Russell is their young driver. It has been <laughs> for five years. Um, mm. But the, the next best thing is Nick DeVries, who's older than George Russell. Um, and while he meets the criteria of not doing any F1 races, he's not a young driver. He's also not really no. a future Formula One driver. He's a Formula E champion. But he's not going to replace Lewis Hamilton as a Formula One driver. Um, so it might uh, get them to step up and take a look at these Formula 2 drivers who are maybe without sponsorship from a team and go, okay, you won the first three races. I'll have you. If Dennis Hauger, a rookie um, who did really well in F3, um, mm. did he win F3? He won F3, didn't he? Yeah, he won F3. Yeah, he's the F3 champion. If he, That's why he's moved up. He, he's, he's gone straight into Prema, who are the reigning champions in F2, if he has a good start to the season, I reckon he'll get drafted or transferred or however it works in Formula 1 to a team for, for these young driver tests because some of them just quite simply are not prepared for it. Yeah, just to make a comment, again, reserve drivers haven't been mentioned for some of the teams, but like Robert Schwartzman is not an F2, but he is the sim driver for Aston Martin and Mercedes. Mm. So oh, okay. could he might be in <laughs> he hasn't announced the rest of his 2022 racing season plans probably because there's still discussions mm. but again that's another great driver like he was runner up to oscar piastri so He's a great driver yeah he, has he can definitely be in it yeah for sure he gave mick schumacher a run for his money as well um he's another one of those Callum Eilard as well. He's oh. off in IndyCar, isn't he? He's, he's oh. IndyCar, but could he, could he? If there's a if there's a free weekend, which I don't think in IndyCar no. there actually is, because they're all they're all they they pretty much race every weekend, don't they over there? I wouldn't um, put a pass Ferrari to to pull him over for some week. Maybe maybe, maybe, maybe give him a run in uh, Circuit of the Americas while he's in America. Anyway, I'm sure you could spare a Friday uh, in October. Maybe, yeah. I don't think Yoko to back to F1. Like as much as he loves it, it's been so much heartbreak for him, like for the last couple of seasons. And he's doing well with IndyCar. So why fix something that's not broken? Mm. True. Very true. 
I, th- I think that's pretty much all we need to talk about with that with with that anyway. Um, the big news that was last week that we actually didn't talk about because um, it literally dropped as we were, I think we was, as we were recording the podcast actually, um, was the news that the FIA had removed Massey um, from the race director seat. Now we were expecting this to happen. There were rumours about it happening for a long period of time. Obviously, we've been talking about it nonstop uh, as as Formula One. Um, journalists and Formula One podcast providers, uh, the, the possibility of of this happening, and it, and it actually finally happened. There's been a complete restructure um, of of the way they're going to sort out the the races now. We're going to have two new race directors. Um, they get they will be Eduardo Freitas. So I do apologise if I'm getting the names wrong. I'm really crap with pronunciation sometimes. So uh, the new directors will be Eduardo Freitas who formerly performed the role in the World Endurance Championship, and Niels Wittig, uh, who did so in the DTM German Touring Car Championship. Freitas and Wittig will be assisted by F1 veteran Herbie Blash, uh, and you'll remember him because he worked around uh, with Charlie Whiting, but he did actually retire five years ago, so he's coming back, obviously, to kind of show him the ropes as well. So that would be... I think that's a good a good kind of setup. There's a couple of really, really good experienced uh, people in those positions. Um, a lot of people who watch DTM will know these people and will know that they've actually performed well in the jobs, um, obviously for those uh, sports. Um, have you got anything that you'd like to say about that? Uh, we'll go to Sean first. Um, I suppose to start at Michael Massey. Um, I think Fernando Alonso summed it up pretty well. If this has happened solely as a result of Abu Dhabi, it's really unfair. Because by the letter, I know everyone's going to get pissed off at me for this, especially those Hamilton fans. By the letter of the law for the 2021 Formula One World Championship, he didn't do anything wrong at all. He did not break a single rule. He skirted the line a bit and fudged it a bit, but he actually did not break a single rule. So if this is a result directly of just Abu Dhabi, it's really, really unfair on him. However, Michael Massey was not equipped for this role. Ever from day one, he has been underwhelming as a race director. He is like, and I've complained about him a lot, even long before Abu Dhabi, even though I don't think he did anything mm-hmm. wrong in Abu Dhabi. Um, but he has regularly been way too slow sending out flags, safety cars, especially. Do you remember when Max crashed in, in um, Baku? It was what Baku, a, lap and a, yeah. a lap and a half, two laps before the safety car came out, and there was yeah. debris, a Red Bull, and a Max Verstappen on the pit, pit straight. That should have been a red flag. In the second that car hit the wall, the red flag should have been out. No questions asked. He was too slow on making decisions. And now whether that was him himself not being a quick decision maker or the team just discussing too much, trying to get everything right, it almost always ended up being wrong. So if this is a culmination of the past few years of dangerous decisions, odd decisions, mistakes, missteps, then yes, fair enough. But if it's just a result of Abu Dhabi, then I don't like it. That aside, we'll probably never know the real reason. Um, the people they brought in, I think, is a really good idea. I think uh, Martin Brundle summed it up really well that Charlie Whiting was special and really unique in how he mm. ran the show. And to expect anyone, let alone Massey, but anyone to step into his shoes and do absolutely everything that he did as he did it for decades was a completely impossible task. So having a team yeah. of it now is a much better idea. It probably should have been that way from the start, in fairness to Michael Massey. I think the people they've drafted in are good. Now, I don't know the names other than Herbie Blash, but from their credentials, this is a good thing. I mean, we've seen from Andreas Seidel coming in how 
WEC experience translates really well to Formula One management. They're used to managing mm-hmm. massive teams for literally days on end. So coming in and doing it for a couple of hours every second weekend is probably child's play to them. So <laughs> that, I, th- I think Eduardo Freitas is the, is, the, is the key figure here. I think Herbie Blash is just going to be like the, I suppose, overseer, just making sure kind of ticking all the final boxes from time to time. I don't think he'll actually be like the decision maker because uh, like I said, he, mm-hmm. he retired. He really doesn't want to deal with this sort of pressure anymore. Um, he's probably just going to be a guiding hand to them because obviously both of them are brand new to Formula One. Um, DTM as well. DTM has a lot of crashes and accidents and stewards inquiries way more often than Formula One does because those cars are bumper cars and Formula One cars are not. <laughs> so yeah. I think th- those two are probably much better at making quick decisions DTM, uh, uh, World Endurance Championship because they run for so long if something happens they have to stop immediately because mm. one they're actually allowed to repair their cars and get them back out again so the sooner they can do that the better um, and two like it, it, it's it's mentally draining to have to stop and start and stop and start so they have to be way more decisive on what they're doing so I think that's a good thing the VAR system I, I wait to, to see how that works because if it's like football it won't if it's like rugby it might Um <laughs> TMO and rugby works. VAR doesn't. And I feel bad for the lads driving for the VAR F- F2 team this year because um, they've got the odds against them. Um, but uh, yeah, I think just uh, like three heads are better than one. Let's uh, let's talk about that then. You, you've met, you mentioned the new VAR style system. Um, that's something they brought in to help help them make decisions uh, quickly, basically, uh, in real time with real time support from the race director himself. Um is, is that a good thing, Sophia? I, with it, like, there's so much has been go- changing this season. Mm-hmm. I think it should have been delayed. Like, I get because of how everything happened with Abu Dhabi and everything and some of the controversial calls and decision-making, this is, like, a next step. But I feel like this season's just completely 180 and it's going to be very different. Mind you, it might change when we actually see the season kickoff and everything but with everything the new rules the new cars new regs new drivers i just feel like it's too much in one season and i think they haven't i think it was a quick answer to an extent it might have been like in years of making and they've said they were going to release it this season anyway i just Mm. feel like it was kind of a bit too, too much and i mean the one thing that i did want to bring up with the new people coming in um, replacing Massey is um, the German GT director. He's had controversy a lot, um, notably in 2021 DTM campaign with Liam Lawson. Right. Similar actions, very similar to Abu Dhabi. It kind of gets mirrored sometimes with Abu Dhabi. And he right. did the same decision similar to how Massey was. Ah. So, so he might he might have learned, from, learned his lesson from that. Maybe. <laughs> he, he might. I mean, second time. Well, first time, but then seeing it a second time. But yeah, the VAR, it makes sense. I just don't think it should have been this season. It should have been next season or earlier. Yeah, well, lots of uh, sports have brought in these sorts of, you know, goal line technology, VAR technology. Uh, it was only a matter of time before before it was introduced in the uh, sport. Um uh, would you like to speak on any of the, those changes about the uh, the, the, new, the new race directors, uh, Barney? Obviously, you're a Mercedes fan, so you're probably happy to see the back of uh, 
of Massey um, uh, and happy to see new people stepping into the job. Well, as, as they would say at Red Bull, it's simply lovely, isn't it? Um, no, I'm joking. <laughs> Look, um, listen, everyone's going to have a different opinion about it. Um, I agree with Sean that, you know, if it's based on Abu Dhabi itself, maybe not. But the biggest problem I have with that is, look, he did probably not change or break the rules like James, uh, like Sean said, he maybe just, you know, bended it a little bit. But my problem is if if it states in a rule book that every single car has to unlap itself before the safety car can put in, it's, it's a problem if it changes it just to give the fans a one-lap race predominantly because Christian Horner was blabbing in his ear the whole time. Listen, we just need one lap. We just need one lap. And I think it's it's 100% correct that uh, what Sean said is that he was very, you know, he, he's never been great. Um, he's always been slow with, you know, with the red flags and all that. And I think a big problem that he had as well is the FIA, the FIA and the, the team principal radio that, that can be, that could have been overlaid to change that now, obviously, as well that caused problems for him as well. Because um, so obviously yeah. he was put under way more pressure that he could handle. So look, I'm not going to sound not happy. Um, I'm, I'm relieved that action was taken. Um, I think a lot of people called for his head. And in the week I saw Christian Horner said it was very harsh and all of that. And I don't also want to be that person, but you know, it's also those things are said for a reason. So I don't think that I'm not going to as far as say that, you know, Christian Horner had him in his bag and that type of stuff because that's not the type of person I am. But like I said, everyone's entitled to an opinion. Everyone's going to have a different opinion. Max fans will say, listen, everything was great. They had a lap of racing. Lewis fans will say it wasn't right. It wasn't right. You know, it should have ended under the safety car. But all in all, I think the, the main thing is just that we, we are seeing action from, from the new president, which is good. And I think going forward, he won't hesitate to make changes which necessary as well. With regards yeah. to the, the VAR coming in, I half agree with Sophia as well. I think that's being pushed forward a bit too quick, um, mainly because we don't want to get to the point where we see in, in race time, you know, that they're struggling to, you know, get it figured out and get it sorted out because that'll just delay stuff again, which we don't want. Um, mm. But like you said on your side, you know, it had to be introduced some point from now then. Maybe this is a good time for it, along with all the multiple changes coming this year. So, Quite happy with that. Uh, with the replacements for the race directors, also really good. I think the experience there will count a lot. Um, so yeah, let's see how it goes this year. I think it will be. It's, it's definitely a step in the right direction in the sense that Sean said with, with Massey being, you know, he's, he's never been great. Um, so let's see. I, I think it's going to be be better with, you know, efficiency and and that type of stuff. So yeah, looking forward. Yeah, and I just want to put put my two pence in with the uh, removal of Massey. I, I actually think it was the right decision. Um, I think his his job was untenable now. Um, people had lost their respect for him, um, namely, obviously, the two team principals at the very least, um, pressurising him all the time, obviously, via the thing. And, and you know, it, it was a difficult position for him to be in, absolutely, with having, you know, Christian Horner going, you know, we need one lap, we need one, one lap, and then... Toto going on the radio going, no, this is not right, you know, and, and, and you know, this, it, it, it's, it, it was, it was difficult for him with all that pressure, um, but he should have been able to handle that pressure, and the fact that he couldn't handle that pressure, I think, made it, made it prove that he was not fit for the, for the role, um, so uh, even if it is based off of Abu Dhabi alone, uh, I'm kind of happy 
not happy because that's the wrong word someone being you know moved a job is not something to be happy about but i'm 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 pleased for the sport um, that he's been moved out of that position if he was going to bow to pressure so easily um but talking about obviously that communications with the race director they've they've actually completely curtailed that this year um there will not be any more direct line uh, and direct line of communication uh, from the teams to the race directors um, there's going to be a new system to make sure it's done in a more controlled way um, so there's possible point of contact between the teams and, and the race director so we're kind of an, inter- an intermediate an intermediary uh, party and um, that might be able to kind of pass messages on uh, rather than being that kind of shouty do this do that do the other uh, which is which is good although when it first turned up last year, we were all like, yeah, this is great. This is a new thing they've added this year. It's brilliant. Uh, and then it, it didn't last to the end of the season, really, before it, it backfired. Um, are you happy to see the, the end of that, Sophia? Or, or are you gutted that you're not going to hear that kind of soap opera going on in the background? I think it added a bit of entertainment, especially for tracks that were kind of boring for the season. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of like that additional kind of element to it. Like, I remember watching it on TV and I'm like, oh, they're going to talk to like Massey, be like, what are they going to say? Is it going to change? And also how delayed sometimes it was. Mm-hmm. They're still going to have communication. I just, I, I feel like they're not even going to show it on screen anymore because sometimes as well, they, they played it out of context of what was showing on the screen. So that also added confusion and kind of for some viewers, they might have not understood it, what's going on probably if they missed like the last couple minutes. Yeah. But I, I do miss it. I like the idea. I like sometimes the um, sassy comebacks that was <laughs> given to um, the team principals from it. Iconic, some of them. Um, but yeah, yeah it's, I'm 50 50. I'm, I'm, I understand it being released and not doing it and not mm. showing it to an extent, but at the same time, I miss that entertainment value just as a viewer. Yeah, it, it, it was, it was fun while it lasted. Let's, let's put it that way. It was something different and new and, uh, you'd like, yeah, as you say, a bit soap opera esque. Uh, one more news article that did drop this week. Um, and we we're all surprised to see this news drop actually. Uh, was the news that Jamie Chadwick had actually signed uh, for the W Series again for Jenna Racing. Now, we spoke about Jenna Racing uh, last week. Um, uh, Caitlin Jenner uh, has come in, brought a, new, brought a new team for the W Series, uh, which is we think is pretty good for the sport. Um, you know, it gives us that kind of Hollywood focus uh, on, the, on the sport. Hopefully it gives that kind of promotion um, for people to watch it more, people to get involved more, maybe given that impact for the drivers to move on into further formula uh, in the sport, which is great. Um, but Jamie Chadwick signing on for a third season after winning two championships, <clears throat> we're a bit kind of confused by it. We'll go, Sean, you, you were, were you confused by this move uh, from Jamie? Obviously, maybe she just didn't have any other options. I think that's what it was. Um, unfortunately, um, I think <laughs> we kind of already touched on as well. If anyone deserves a, at least... A, a chance to prove themselves in a Formula One car, it's definitely Jamie Chadwick. That 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 she is an extremely special talent. She's a very, very fast driver. And she's a friend of the show. So Jamie, if you're listening, <laughs> we wish you all the best for this season. Um but uh yeah, it's entirely possible that she'd know other options. Um 
uh, which is a shame in itself. Um, but I suppose that's the way of the world. It's, uh, the, 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 the most important thing is she has a seat. She will be racing this year. She can do the treble, uh, which I think we probably all stick fiver on that she probably will. Um, it's not like like if, uh, W Series is a spec series. So it's not like Caitlyn Jenner needs to hire Adrian Newey to design the car. The car is ready. So the car will be similar to last year. It's just a matter of setting it up. But Jamie surely already knows how she likes these cars to run. Um, yeah. So she she has, I mean, having that name behind her is can only be good for her long-term career. If she goes and wins a championship with, with Caitlyn Jenner's backing, that's that, that might well be the financial backing that she needs to mm-hmm. go on to other series, whether it's, Formula One or Formula E or IndyCar or whatever it might be, uh, a, a proper top-tier series that she deserves to be in. A um, little bit surprised, but again, like I said, the most important thing is she has a drive. She will continue in, in, in W Series, will continue to get to, to just be in awe of her racing, uh, which I'm excited to see. I, I, I love watching the race. I love watching W Series as it is. Um, I think it's really, really good, intense racing. Um, he's very good and I, I, I look forward to seeing more of it and then, uh, yeah I'd, I'd be sticking a fiver on her seeing three for three uh, I'm going to play devil's advocate here because I like to make, play devil's advocate we've got to see arguments from both sides and I'm going to ask Sophia with this being our only woman on the panel today um, is it is it a bad thing for W Series that Jamie Chadwick hasn't been able to move up is it bad that she's having to come back to W Series because you know sponsors aren't backing her f2 aren't haven't got a space for her because they've probably got someone with a bit more money that's that, that they'd rather that a team would rather have in their car um it's not the experience that that they that they want to draw from um the, these f2 and f3 teams a hundred percent i personally don't think she should have been in w series this season at all like even f3 as well like that's still a step up because it's in the with w series being more popular now f3 is still more popular and i think there's more of a step up and i don't know if it's it's just because i would like to see a female in this sport that's primarily male dominated but the fact that an esports driver is getting a seat before a female I don't, I put like, it, it might be controversy. Like y'all no, I, can hate I, me I, on I, it. I completely agree with you. I completely agree with you on this. But the fact that an uh, E driver, yes, they have experience, but also they've never had experience in an actual car. Mind you, for people that do rock uh, race of championships, the champions, they can, they've been in a car, but being in an actual car is very different. And the fact that she is having to go a third season into W series, that's not, very big in social media. It doesn't even have proper channels. It's not on Sky Sports F1 at all. You have to see it on Channel, Channel 4, 4 ITV in the UK. But even then, if there's something bigger, like a rugby match or an event, they're cut off. There's no support. And I just think she should have gotten F3 to begin with, like at the very least. Yes, having Jenna coming in racing for Jenna will be good, but also, this is Jenna's first season in a complete, like, way out of, it's it's a new, I get she's backing it and she might not have a lot of admin role in it, but that's also a lot of eyes and pressure on Jamie as well, because we know how great she is. She's amazing. Mm-hmm. And now she's racing for a new team. That's an extra pressure while trying to get into F3 or F2 or F1. 
to be fair, she might be the reserve driver for Williams. It's still not announced. So she might be able, again, the super license might be the issue as well, but who knows? I, I just, yeah, like I said, an e-driver should not have gotten a seat before Jamie. He didn't even, did he even win the, the championship? Like, mm. compared to two-time winner, but yeah. Yeah, I, and I, I completely agree with everything you've just said, but I'm also going to add that maybe it's good for w series um i'm gonna i'm completely kind of flipping it back on its, uh, its its head again but maybe it's good because it's headlines and headline names jamie chadwick is a two-time champion it's like at the thought of lo- losing lewis hamilton this season was probably dreaded by liberty media because they would have wanted obviously the biggest names so looking at it from this perspective of w series they've brought in this hollywood kind of style celebrity in Caitlyn Jenner. She is going to bring a team. She's going to bring lots of spotlight. So what do they need with that spotlight? They need a championship winning name. So they've got the championship winning name of Jamie Chadwick, who's won it twice. So I'm, I'm playing both sides off against each other. It could be that it, it absolutely is the best thing to happen to bring more sponsorship opportunities, to bring more audience to the actual sport it could be a great thing um for jamie chadwick to to get that hat trick of wins and that hat trick of championships at the w series which again is why i think she's done it um i I completely agree on all the negatives yes it's bad for w series as a whole that their two-time champion can't promote to a bigger series because Mm -hmm. someone from esports or someone with a rich daddy got in there first and if we're talking about Rich, then, you know, Formula One has that problem too. Guan Yu Zhou shouldn't be in the car. Uh, Callum Eilat or Robert Schwartzman or Theo Porcher or Oscar Piastri or Jamie Chadwick should be. Anyway, um, but yes, I think like if, if like there are always going to be negatives on this and W Series has really borne the brunt of COVID because they had to cancel a whole year. Uh, mm-hmm. Year one struggled enough to get a bit of uh, traction. Year two didn't exist. Year three, they got the benefit of being a Formula One support series. Kind of. They were at all the same tracks, but uh, as as you said, you know, they weren't on the Formula One prod- broadcast station. And Channel 4 mm. don't even broadcast Formula One. They get they get Martin Brundle and David Croft's hand-me-downs six hours later yeah. for people who don't have Sky F1. Um, but, mm. or, you know, F1.com, F1's live stream thing. But surely everyone has now, because I'm pretty sure mine is the only country that's not bloody available in. Um, but uh, yeah, I did, I, to look at the positives, I completely accept all the negatives. To look at the positives, I think Taylor, you're, you're dead right. It's 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 the exposure, um, and like I said, this is probably what Jamie's thinking of just the, the 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 backing she needs. If she goes and wins the championship with Jenner, then one, she gets her name in every single sports paper in America. All of them. Yeah. Caitlyn Jenner wins Formula uh, W Series with three-time champion Jamie Chadwick. That is invaluable. That's something she would never get, no matter what other series she went into, that kind of exposure. Mm. Even if she doesn't win the championship, yeah. all she needs to do is win a bloody race for them, and she'll be the golden girl. If Caitlyn Jenner can prove that she's signed, like it's a big statement of intent for Caitlyn Jenner, for, first of all, that I'm not just here to slap my name on this for marketing purposes. I want to bloody win this series and I've hired the girl who's already done it twice. Who Literally the only person to win this series is now my driver. 
big statement from of intent from Caitlyn Jenner, which actually impresses me a lot because I was a bit skeptical about the whole enterprise to begin with. But uh, I, I hope Jamie wins it this year. Um, obviously, it's, we don't like dominance too much, but for Jamie's sake, I hope she at least gets you know a couple of race wins um, and the exposure she deserves. And that, you know, Caitlyn Jenner sh- sh- clearly showing some faith in her, or her team anyway, are showing some faith in Jamie. Um, and hopefully that leads to, to bigger and better things so that maybe next year she does have the financial backing to get into Formula 2 ahead of an e-driver. Barney, have you got anything to add to, to that? Not at all. They've covered literally everything. It's just um, like they both said as well, you know, unfortunately in the cyber sport, any sport really, money talked. Um, so, yeah. It's actually it's it's heartbreaking for her not to be pushed up to like an F two F three or F two team already. But like Sean says, you know, if she can she can walk into this team, get a third championship, and you know, head it out of the park, then you know, you never know. Maybe next year she gets a chance, gets pulled up to the F three F three or F two team. I agree with Sophia as well. It's you know, how can an esports driver be promoted up to F three or F two ahead of a woman that's actually driven the contract? Um, you know, won the championship two times. Like Sean said, be the only one who's done it before. So really hoping forward to make it a, a three in a row this year as well. And let's see. Maybe. Yeah, we, we we need we need a woman uh, to make it into the higher ranks. We need it's just, it's it's time. It's it's time time for it to happen. Uh, you know, it's it's been a long time since we've had someone uh, a female in Formula One. So and not 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 even in the car. Sorry, you just something just popped up on my phone. Just a quote from Lewis Hamilton earlier on today, and um, saying that he'd like to see a woman in the stewards room. Brilliant, brilliant quote. I think he's dead right. Um, you know, whether it's race records or just the race stewards, I don't think there's ever been a female race steward. Is there? Correct me if I'm wrong on that. There's Sophia? only been one female steward and that's Sylvia Bella. And she's been also the race director for F, uh, F2 and F3. I've right. just pulled up an article before. Um, so she's, she's taken over from 2020. Yeah, from 2020. I don't know if she's still in that position, from, but from the article I saw, she became the race director for F2 and F3 as being previously the only female student in F1. While we're still on this topic as well, um, another controversy is Christian Horner's comment. I don't know if yeah, y'all I did saw see, that. I did see that, yeah. <laughs> about the reason why females have been uh, interested in F1 is to look at the attractive drivers. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's stuck in the sixties there with that with that comment. Unfortunately, with his wife as a Spice Girl as well, yeah, which ho- is hope- all for women empowerment. <laughs> I hope Jay, I hope Jerry gave him a bit of a slap for that one. Yeah, he deserves a thick ear. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, does, do we, have we got anything else that we want to talk about today? Um, so just test- the, the, the testing day. Testing day. Yeah. If you want to sum up uh, what happened today at testing, Sean. Um, I'm sure you've got a, an article or some some details there for our fans to to hear. I do indeed. Um, it was a good day, um, and I think um, to be perfectly honest, F1's own article sums it up really nicely. Just five key things learned in uh, from day one of testing, and the, the the number one and most important thing is that the cars are reliable. Most of the cars are reliable. Um, Max pumped in 147 laps, so Max is reliable, but we all knew that. Um, Ferrari right out the gates with 153 laps. That's an insane number. Um, that's two and a bit race distances or two, nearly two and a half race distances of Barcelona, which is extremely impressive. Um, Mercedes clocked in 127 laps. 
Uh, Fernando Alonso on his own clocked in 127 laps. Yuki Tsunoda got 121. So lots of reliability mm. most of the way down the field. But then you get to Alfa Romeo, who had a shockingly bad first day in their non-existent liveried car. Um, Bottas only racked up 23 laps and was three seconds off Lando Norris's uh, time. Robert Kubica, the poor lad, only got nine laps and was oh. 6.3 seconds off by the end. Now, nine laps, 6.3. Nine laps is nine installation laps, really, and one lap where he mm. just kept going slowly for another lap. So <laughs> like that, that, that is a really, really embarrassingly poor showing from, from Alfa Romeo. Um, they, they, hiding even the, the launch livery for so long, it gives me Williams' 2019 vibes, 2020 vibes, just not showing up to testing. Um, yeah. That's a bad sign. Haas as well. Mick Schumacher, 23 laps, like like 23 laps in half a day. And Nikita Mazepin, 20 laps. Haas has been designing this car for a year and a half. To rock up for a year and a half when their engine supplier are pumping in the highest number. Of, so the engine works. It's This is not an engine issue. This is not like McLaren and Honda where the engine just wouldn't bloody turn on. This is not an engine issue for either of them because the, the Alpha are, are Ferrari engine as well. There's something else wrong with their cars, with their packages, with the designs that's not working. So that's not good. The rest of them, really reliable. That's really good to see. Um, Lando Norris, top of the timing sheets, uh, 119.5. I know, I know it's day one of testing um, and I know times mean less than nothing. But in this case, the kind of do because pole for the 2021 uh, Spanish Grand Prix was a 116.7 from Lewis Hamilton. So on day one of testing in a new generation of cars that are supposed to be five seconds slower than last year anyway, Lando's only just over three seconds off the pace. That's extremely impressive. No matter what way you cut it, that's extremely impressive. Uh, so these mm-hmm. cars are not slower than last year. They're just not. If someone said they might only be like half a tenth and they'd be a second quicker by the end of the year, I'm starting to lean that way myself. Um other interesting tidbits of information. Oh, and Lando said on that, he said in, a, in an interview afterwards that uh, I'm P1, but I'm disappointed by that because you're all going to overhype how fast we are. The only Formula like 1 driver in history to be disappointed by being P1. Uh, Alpha and Hass are on the back foot. Yeah, we, we talked about that. Uh, Hamilton in a buoyant mood. I don't really know if that's something we learned from testing. So Formula 1 didn't quite get that right, but he didn't seem to, un- unhappy. He was roaming up and down the pit lane all day long um, while George was in the car. Had his eat. He had his eagle eye out, didn't he? He was looking in every single pit, uh, pit um, garage and, and looking at all the cars. He at did, and he lingered the, particularly long on... Lewis. Yeah, uh, he, he lingered particularly long on the Red Bull, which is not surprising. Yeah. Um, although Craig Slater tried to stir the pot a little bit by saying on Sky F1 earlier on that, uh, you know, he didn't look Max in the eye. Of course he bloody didn't. They were like 25 metres apart on opposite sides of a garage. <laughs> Ridiculous. Anyway, and probably had a helmet on as well. Yeah, and Lewis had sunglasses on, so how would he even know? Um, the Red Bull has come out of the blocks and looks weird, really weird. The, the side pods and the floor on the Red Bull look confusing. They look like they've come out of a different dimension. Is that good or bad? I have no idea. It's clearly reliable, so it's aerodynamically okay. They haven't had to like come in every five minutes to change parts. So it's a good sign. Mm. Um, Max said it's working quite well. That's a very max comment. That probably means it's really good. Um, and the final thing is just that the, there was a lot of kind of trackside reports of the drivers themselves on how they were performing and how, because obviously time's going to be nothing, but like lap times are important, but also just watching the drivers. Unfortunately, we can't. 
because it's not broadcast mm-hmm. this year. The best I could do was like watch pictures um, and spy images. Uh, but from trackside reports, especially in the final sector, the cars are super skittish. That final twisty mm-hmm. section, 14, 15 in, in Barcelona, where Formula One cars have always struggled ever since. Like the last car that went well through there was Seb's 2011 Red Bull with the blown diffuser because it was designed yeah. for slow corners. Modern F1 cars have always been bad there, and these ones seem especially bad. And because it's ground effect, essentially the slower the car goes, the loss of downforce is way more dramatic than it was last year when you could literally just dial up the wings to, to, to bring it back, to bring the downforce back. They can't really do that this year. Um, and there's been lots of reports of the drivers seemingly adapting their driving styles or not and struggling. Charlotte Clerc apparently was hustling the car like crazy. Didn't seem to bother him too much. Pumped in a lot of laps and was pretty quick. So, But he's not normally a hustler driver. He's very smooth. So he seems to be either fighting the car a little bit, but not to the detriment of his speed and, and comfortability to do a lot of laps so far. So that's a good sign. Max didn't seem troubled in the slightest. His car actually looked really smooth. Again, that's not surprising because Max's default is oversteer. So he's probably super comfortable in these cars. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, other than that, yeah, Lando top of the table, Ferrari out of the out of the gate strong, a lot of laps, decent lap times. Uh, George Russell, uh, again, a lot of lap times in his first, first day in silver. Um, Sebastian Vettel and Aston Martin were sixth on... 121.2 and 52 laps. It's okay. Lance Stroll got 67 laps. So Aston put in a put in a good shift today as well. Um, mm-hmm. And Alex Albon and Williams. The Williams actually got a lot of laps in. 126 laps, I think, for Williams. But 66 each for each driver. Uh, and they ran with a load of Flovis. Like a lot of Flovis. They essentially painted the car a different livery. Um, Which looked quite good, actually. It looked Keep it. It looked beautiful, but what was most telling is that it looked smooth, really, really smooth. There was no jagged spikes. Sometimes, especially with the older veiny cars, when they put Flovis on, it would just veer off in weird directions that didn't make any logical sense to the arrow. That Williams looked really smooth. The arrow flew exactly as it should. I'm no aerodynamicist, but even I could see that Flovis was flowing exactly the way they wanted it to, hitting all the right spots on the wings, on the... Halo on the side pods, everything. It looked really smooth, and I'm sure the Williams designers would be really, really happy with how clean their arrow seems to be. That's definitely step one for them, and they're reliable. So that's good for for Williams as well. So uh, a good first day of testing for almost everyone. Barney, have you got anything you want to add about the uh, the testing today? I think even if I wanted to, I couldn't because I think Sean covered everything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, from my side, I'm just. Um, <sighs> Look, like you said, nothing nothing can be seen into the, the timings and everything from today. Everything's still, you know, no one's putting on the real cards on the table. But uh, for me personally, I'd like to see someone like uh, like Yuki coming through this year. Um, I know he said he's, he's under a lot of a lot more pressure this year to perform. So I'm really hoping he gets it right from start. He did have a good race in Bahrain last year, so it's a good track for him to start on again that he build up his confidence. And I'd just like to see him carry that through for the for the whole year. Because, I mean, he is, from the bits we've seen with him performing last year, he, he's not a bad driver. So I'd like to see those those types of guys, you know, just being consistent again this year. Gasly having a good year as well. Um, and then I'm quite excited to see Alex Albon back again in the Williams. So let's see what he can do. He's been on the simulator for Red Bull a lot. So I think he's, he's also put in the hard crafts and I think he's ready to to make a mark again back in F1. So 
Um, the new guy driving along with Bottas, I'm not sure about. Let's see how he goes. I think the pressure is going to be going to be a bit bit high for him this year. But I mean, at least he's got Bottas. Uh, yeah, looking forward to it. And it's just exciting, isn't it? Seeing cars on tracks, even though we're only seeing stills, it's just it whets our appetite. Um, Sophia, uh, are you? Um, no, that's sorry. What I was going to say now is completely wrong. Uh, it's better than nothing. <laughs> it's better than nothing. It's been a long wait with all the rumors and the dramas. So at least getting this is better than not getting any information at all. So keeps us content until the season starts. Absolutely. I think one of the things that's been on some of the drivers commenting about how today went was the visibility because of the 18 inch tires with where the uh, rear, where the wing windows mirrors are placed. Mm -hmm. And now with the halo kind of, being integrated better into the car design, um, the visibility is very narrow and quite might be quite difficult, especially with some of these sharp corners as well. With the big wheel, uh, big wheels, might make it a bit difficult for some of the visibility. And again, golf a bit of a range. If we have another like spa, visibility yeah. is going to be very difficult. So and the cars and the cars have also got those little winglets that steer the air back back down off off the tires as the front tires as well. So that's more things in the in the kind of periphery of the of the of each driver, I guess. Um, I think was it was it Lando that said he's having to look uh, much deeper into the corners now. Yeah, he was um, the, he was he the, previously he was the main one to kind of complain about the um, not complain comment about the visibility. Daniel Ricardo as well. He's he says that. Um, he quoted use your other instincts and rely on other things to pull off a move move and defend well it'll be a bit more for us to adjust to especially in the early days of 2022 but by a couple of races we'll be like ah, I don't really feel anymore so and, and even even at that that actually might even just be how the McLarens are seating their their their, their drivers <laughs> for, all we, for all we know by default the Mercedes might seat them higher up for example or at the same level, because George is 9,000 feet tall, he wouldn't have any problem <laughs> seeing out of the car. Um, or Yuki. But, uh, or, yeah, well, you, Yuki, Yuki can't see out of the car anyway. Yuki drives using the force. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it, it is interesting. I think that's pretty much all we need to talk about today. Um, we, we, we've touched on every key aspect of the week's news. Uh, we, of course, talked about deliveries that we've had over the last week as well and of course the first day of testing all we can say really is that we're very very excited uh, and it's great to see cars on tracks even if it is only in still form um, that we have been able to see it this week uh, well, today so that's at the end of our podcast we have been everything f1 uh, as always you can find us on all social media platforms facebook twitter instagram and youtube you can also find us on our website, www.everythingf1.com. We would love it if you'd add us to your favorites and visit us on a daily basis and read all of our latest articles that we do post up on there. Also, again, we are this we are part of the Everything F1 podcast. So we'd love it if you had to hit the subscribe button. Then you will get all of our latest podcasts in your earlobes as soon as they drop. So all that's left for me to say is thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for my panel to come uh, coming to speak to me today. Thank you very much, Sophia. 
uh, Barney and Sean. Thank you, guys. Thank Goodbye. you. Thank you, guys. Have a good night. I've been James Tiller. This has been the Evening F1 podcast. We will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.